Know every single word to your favorite song? Ever wanted to know where the idea for that song came from? Good, because you're in the right place. It's time for another episode of Behind the Strings, an inside look at the country world. This week, Todd and I got to catch up with Charles Kelly of Lady A. We find out the backstory of how Lady A got together, Charles talks about the resurgence of the group, and we chat about their latest single, I Feel Like a Lady. Okay, we'll just let them sing it. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, what's up, fellas? Everything's good, man. Things are good. Just hanging in there. How about yourself? Where are you at right now? Are you in Nashville? No, I'm actually down in um, in Florida at the beach down here. And so, um, yeah, we just, you know, we would rather be out on the road, but while we got time, just out here doing this. Man, now's the perfect time. to. If you're gonna, I told people, if you're going to travel, just just sneak away. You're not working on anything right now. Just go do something. <laughs> well, you know, we went, we've been working on our record, and so um, – you know, we kind of, once we picked the single, we kind of were like, all right, let's take a little break, put it aside. So we're going to kind of, you know, slowly but surely kind of tackle finishing all the singing on the other songs, you know, throughout, throughout the next couple of months. But it's kind of nice, you know, but ready to get back out on the road, man. It's starting to actually feel like it's a real possibility now. As You know, it's like every other month before it was like, you know, it was like you could tell like our, our team was kind of trying to be positive, but now it's like, oh, it's going to happen. So that's. So that's good. Yeah, that's some good news. I'm starting to hear rumblings. It's like the small clubs are starting to do things, outdoor yeah. venues. I'm like, man, it, it won't be long. Y'all are going to be at, at the big arenas here very soon. And I'm ready, man. I'm dying for it. I'm dude, ready, ready. I can't imagine. It's like we all – I mean, all of our worlds, man. I mean, shoot. I mean, as a radio station, you know, you, we do one, if not two yeah. concerts a week that we're doing uh-huh. something with. So, I mean, it's a big part of our lives as well. I can't imagine yeah. as, a, as your job. It's like, man, I'm, I just want to do my job. This is my job. This is what I do. And I'm ready to get back to it, you know? No doubt. Oh, man. Well, um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for doing this with us. I'm I'm super pumped. And Tater's here with us. He always starts off with uh, Tater's questions, and then we jump yeah. into the music and all kinds of goofy stuff. So, Tater, I'm gonna let cool. you take it away. Let's go ahead and knock all these out real quick. I feel I feel good about you, Charles. On these, uh, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I, the only one I can remember right now is what was it, Michelangelo? And then there was Donatello. Uh, I would go with Michelangelo. I don't know. Yeah, he's my favorite. He he's a crazy one that's always eating pizza, skating around, you know, crashing into hey. stuff. Uh, here we go. So pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Oh no way! Nah. Oh, he is the first one to say. We've had Ryan Hurd, we've had Hardy, we've had everybody say, uh, yeah, Mike. You know, I've ever, we had Michael Ray on the uh, the morning show the other the other day, and he he's he likes it too. And I'm like, what is going on with it? But hey, me and Charles. Against yeah. you, Todd. How you like that? I had pineapple on my pizza last night, man. Hey, hey, imagine that. Speaking of speaking of the Ninja Turtles, have you uh, have you ever seen the SNL skit that they they did like a cartoon thing where it was where it was uh, instead of teenage, it was middle aged, middle aged, middle aged Ninja Turtles, and they're all like got families and they're you know they're all out of shape and they all got like desk jobs and you know it, it's it's really great. I need to YouTube that. I've never. It's seen a fantastic that. skit. Wow, yeah, I've never it's worthy. Seen that. Wow, yeah, you okay. got to go back and watch it. It's it's that good. Definitely, <laughs> Cowbunga, baby. All right. So uh, when you put on your socks at the start of the day, which foot do you put on first, a left or right foot? Ooh, that's interesting. Uh huh. Ah, I'd probably say right. I don't know. You'll think about it next time, don't worry. Yeah, I think I I will start with my right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, there we go. First job in Nashville. Uh, what was the best and worst part about it? Oh man. Uh, 
<laughs> I did actually get this job at, at Wells Fargo. Um, the, the best part was I, I did it for two months and I um, got paid and all I did was go through training. And so I never actually did a real job. Uh, and then the worst part, I think the worst part was the drive. It was like way across town. So I was always, you know, in traffic and stuff. So that was, that was kind of, that kind of was exhausting. More time to think about your future. (laughs) Yes, it was exactly. (laughs) All right. At what age did you realize you wanted to write songs for a living? Oh man. Well, for a living, I wouldn't, I would say it probably wasn't until honestly, I mean, getting out of college, I, I didn't really think it was a real, you know, uh, I guess attainable job, you know, uh, but once my once I saw my brother Josh Kelly have a little success, um, and then when he moved to Nashville, um, you know, I, I would kind of go visit him and 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 you know some of the guys in his band and would write with them, and they were like they kind of encouraged me. They're like, "You've got you know you've got a talent in this." So I don't think as a kid, I mean, I played a bunch of cover bands in middle school and high school, but I don't think I ever ever thought of it as a job. I did scour your Wikipedia page because you know everything's correct on there. Oh, uh, perfect! You were talking. You were talking about bands. You were in a band called Inside Blue. Is that the name Inside of it? Blue. Yeah, we were like really into a lot of blues music and stuff. And so, I, I, it's so dumb. I mean, Inside Blue. We were just, you know, <laughs> we we're so sensitive. Um, but yeah, we had. I mean, I did write. Oh, there's my wife's thing. I did write some songs, um, you know, on that project and stuff. But again, I don't think I like thought of it as a real job. I just was kind of enjoying it, you know. Um, but but the first song that we had on the record was called um, what was it called uh, Ten Years in a Bottle and it was about like this guy that you know had been drinking his whole life and I was fourteen years old <laughs> writing the song about this guy and it was like <laughs> it's really dumb. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. That. <laughs> I mean, you know, 14 years old, you're thinking about taking all Lucy down uh, downstairs to the basement. You're over here writing about some real life shit, man. <laughs> right? I love it. Uh, so, uh, Charles, what is your favorite childhood memory? Oh, man. Favorite childhood memory. You know what? One of my favorite childhood memories, I mean, it's hard to say, like, you know, near down to one, but musically, I got to go see uh, Dave Matthews band, my oldest brother, um, John, he was about 10 years older than me, and he took me to go see uh, Dave Matthews. It was, like, outside in Atlanta somewhere. Um, and I remember, like, just being enamored with it, all of it. And uh, and I remember, though, going, like, why does it smell like like skunks? It's so skunky. And he was like, he was like that's not skunks. He's like, that's, that's weed. And I didn't really know what that you know what it was, but it was like the whole entire festival. I mean, you know, it was Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews, man. It was just just a pile of. I probably I probably got some good secondhand smoke going on back there. I, I couldn't have been more than 10, 11 years old, too. But you're like, why do they got so many fog machines? Why are we outside yeah. with fog machines? What the hell's going oh, on I, here? I remember, like, God, everybody is stinky. Like it's like a bunch of bo or something in here. Uh, Which all right. is probably that too. It's probably a combination of weed and bo. Yeah. <laughs> they need deodorant that smells like weed. Then they would love to put it on, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you owned a boat, what would you name it? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe my wife, cat the the Cassie, Cassie. Mm. Yeah, probably Cassie. 
All right, I'm not going to put a no dirty jokes there. <laughs> uh, Ryan Hurd said drug money. That's still our best one because it, isn't that what he said? Yeah. Drug, yeah. And, it, and by the way, he said it like in a split second. Yeah, like he thought about it. He didn't even think about it. Drug money. <laughs> like he's been thinking about it. You know, like oh, I'm going to name yeah. vote one day. Drug money. They're never going to pull that over. That's funny. Yeah. No, I've never never thought about it. Uh, what do you love about your hometown? Oh, the Masters. Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters, and I'm a I'm a I'm huge, huge lover of golf. Um, golf and music are like my two obsessions. So the Masters for sure. I try to get back every year. It was tough this this past year because you know they had to move it, and we always do a show um, every year for uh, Mercedes, and they always like throw in a couple tickets and all this other stuff. And I was all excited, and you know, of course, it moved, and no no fans and all this stuff, so I wasn't able to do it. So. It's not the same watching on TV. All right, speaking about golf, i got to bring up a story. You may or may not know this, actually. So we had Hardy on way back early in the podcast days, and I heard a different story. He was telling Devin Dawson that when he first moved to Nashville, Hardy, his first job was working at a country club, and that he washed your clubs. Oh, that's funny. And then later down the road, like he just teed off with you, Jake Owen, and Chris Lane, and it popped in his head, and he goes – and he, and he said he didn't get to tell you this and uh, talk to you about this, but he was like, isn't that a full circle moment that he Absolutely. was once washing your clubs and now he's, yeah. you know, such a good songwriter and, and a oh, song producer. And now he's hanging out with you on the golf course. He's great, dude. He, he, he whipped my butt that day on the golf course too. I've, um, man, I, we played Pinehurst all went up there. And I mean, it was like, I was, I, I blamed my massive hangover on how bad I played, but, but he, uh, he's really good, dude. We had a, we had a blast, man. I mean, Jake and I went and got to meet all these kind of new artists, you know, uh, Hardy, but like all these other just great guys that, that, you know, I hadn't really gotten a chance to get to know, you know, because we've kind of, you know, we all kind of are closer with the guys that came up at the same time, like Luke Bryan and Aldean, all those guys. And, you know, for, for me to get that chance to kind of bond with those guys and, and, and you know, it was really, it was really cool, man. So he's, he's a great dude. Talented songwriter, too. Oh, definitely, yes. Love this stuff. Have you had, worked, like, a full circle a moment? That, that was one of my first jobs was working in the back room. And, you know, the, the thing that always frustrated me was always the guys with the most money never tipped at all. It was like all the rich guys in Augusta, like, if they were, like, rich old money, they were just the cheapest SOBs in the world. And then it was, like, some dude that, you know, would give you a big old tip. And, I don't know, I always remember that. I'm, like, overly – I try to overly tip because I'm, like, I remember being in that thing and all mm-hmm. the crap that people would talk about people if you didn't tip. <laughs> Have you had, like, a full circle moment happen for you like that where you started out and then all of a sudden you're hanging out with whoever? Uh, the biggest full circle moment is is just being best buds with Darius Rucker. I mean, I when he first signed over at Capitol was, was right around when we signed, and I, and I said um, – I, I called up our label head, Mike Dungan. I said, man, I said, I don't know Darius yet, but I was like, you've got to send him this video. And I got this video of me and my brothers, and I'm singing, uh, hold my hand. And I'm like, I couldn't be more than 10 or 11 years old. And, uh, and I'm singing, hold my hand. And, and I, and I remember too, I had like a black eye for where my brother beat me up and popped my eye up. And so I'm like, <laughs> Sitting there, and I'm, you know, saying, hold my hand. I sent it to him, and he just, from that day on, like, we just became, like, best buddies and play golf all the time. And that's probably the weirdest thing to me because it's, like, that was this album that I grew up, you know, we would cover all those songs, and uh, I would listen to it incessantly. And then now it's like, oh, you know, he's 
you know, we wrote Homegrown Honey together and, um, you know, he's got a song on his new record that'll, you know, I don't know if it's a single, but that he's going to have on there. So, we, you know, it's just, it's just weird to kind of be a part of that now. Yeah, I can imagine that. It's like, yeah, it's just, that's just Darius Rocker. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Swinging clubs with me. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. a good golfer, I see. All right, yeah, one, one last for you there, Charles. Uh, what was your favorite childhood meal? Oh, uh, my mom used to make beef stroganoff. You know what that is? Oh, yeah, yeah. man. The noodles. The noodles and the gravy. Mm-hmm. And she would always make it, like, stretch it as far as it could go. But uh, I just remember that was always something like it. Always, anytime I, like, see that on a menu or anywhere, I, I, I just, I immediately go back to, uh, to, to mom. She was, everything, everything was really heavy, but like now I can't eat like that. But at the time, I mean, I was so like, I couldn't eat enough. Like I would come home from school and I mean, I would eat a giant bag of Doritos and still be like this rail. And all of a sudden, you know, in my mid thirties, it was like, Oh, okay. There goes the, this little metabolism I used to have, and I got to actually, you know, I ate, one, I ate one French fry and I gained 10 pounds. What's wrong with that? Dude, you know? It's the craziest thing. The thing that sucks too is, is, uh, is I try to order healthy and then my little boy, you know, he's five and he's got, you know, chicken fingers or fries and he eats like, you know, freaking four bites. And I've got that mentality. I'm like, I'm not going to waste food. So I end up basically just having two meals every meal. And there you go. And then you throw quarantine on top of it. You're drinking about, you know, every daggum night yeah. starting, starting at four o'clock and you're like, all right, here it comes. Here it comes. I knew it was coming. This is it. Yeah. I had to do dry January. I'm like, dude, this is a year of quarantine. I'm like, I've gained like 20 pounds. I'm yeah. drinking. I just got to slow down. <laughs> we all were uh, actually down here at the beach right now. It's, um, it's pretty cool right down the road, Jimmy and uh, Karen from, from little big town are here. And and Jimmy was saying the same thing. I mean, Jimmy like doesn't age. The dude's in like such great shape, but we were out there at the pool and he was like, man, I'm, it's like, we got to get out on the road. It's like, we're, we're almost healthier when we're on the road because you've got all this time on your hands. You're like, all right, I'm going to wake up and you know, you get sleep in, you wake up, you're like, I guess I might as well work out today or I might as well go play golf or something. All right. And, it just, I feel like that routine, you know, and then you're up on stage and running around. And, and when I'm home, I'm just kind of like, I think I'm going to sit on my ass all day. That sounds good. <laughs> Catch another episode on Netflix. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Did you pick up any, uh, any hobbies on quarantine? Uh, gosh, I wish I could say I did. I did do some puzzles. I know that sounds kind of silly. But That's something, man. It's, uh, it's, it was so relaxing. I, I like, we were, somewhere and I can't remember where we were and um randomly there was like a puzzle and I was just kind of bored I was like I'm just going to do this puzzle and I was like man I really enjoy this it's kind of you know therapeutic and you just kind of could sit there and you know kind of every time you want to kind of get bored go check on it and, and do it for a little bit it was it was fun so I did get into some some puzzles well I I'm uh I'm excited to get you on here today because I mean I've I followed you since the beginning and I wanted to bring up one, one show cause it's just sticks out in my mind. And th- this was an insider. It was a radio thing. It was at CRS and it was really the first year that y'all were out there. And yeah. um, y'all did a show for the after midnight people. And it was yeah. you guys and Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I literally yeah. was front row for this thing, watching this thing, like, Holy shit, you guys are well, awesome. And of course Taylor's up there too. I'm like, what an, it was just an amazing thing. This, and that, that was the beginning. That like the eighties, like they wanted us to, 
cover like a bunch of 80s songs. Yeah. Y'all were dressed up in disco. <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah, disco. I think Taylor Swift had this big wig on and like bell bottoms. I mean, it was just like, you know. We had to rehearse for that show more than anything else because it was like you had to learn all these songs. And uh, and um, I think I remember doing like, Rosanna, Rosanna. Yeah, they didn't sing any of their songs. It was all like disco and 80s songs. <laughs> fun. Well, that was, I mean, again, like I was saying before, that's what I used to do. I mean, we were cover bands. I mean, you would, you would sit there and sing a lot of Richie, turn around and have to do, um, you know, do Garth Brooks, Friends Low Places. Then you do some blues song and Led Zeppelin. I mean, so you, I think it's such a big part of kind of the, you know, the eclectic sound too, that we tried when we started the band, you know, try to like grab a lot of different influences and, you know, put them in the music. And how did y'all get going too, by the way? That's one story that kind of eludes me of like, you know, yeah. the three of y'all together. I know you and Dave have known each other since teenagers, but how did it all it kind is, of form? It is pure divine intervention, man. I mean, the weirdest thing. So, so anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm living up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I've got, so I've got, I've got two older brothers, but it's, it's, it's so I've got this, my sister and my oldest brother were like 10 years older than us. And then Josh and I, you know, we're kind of like 10 years later. And so same marriage, believe it or not. And then my dad remarried. Well, I've got two younger sisters, 10 years younger than, than me. And so anyways, though, I had these two older siblings that would always bring back, you know, cool music and stuff. And so my oldest brother had gotten us kind of into music, um, Josh and I. And so anyways, I graduate from Georgia. I move up to Winston-Salem to work with my oldest brother. And I'm like, you know, he's like flipping houses. So I'm like knocking out, you know, all these walls. Like, and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is asbestos. I think we need a mask. He's like, no, you'll be fine. Come on. Let's just knock this out. (laughs) You know, and I, I, I just come off of being in Athens, Georgia. And it was just like party central girls everywhere. And then you go up to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I'm like, I I was like, this is, this is like, I'm I'm like, this isn't, this isn't working for me. And I did that for about a year. And just was really unhappy. And I, um, and so right around that time, my brother Josh had moved from LA to Nashville and he said, man, you got to come. This place is amazing. You'll love it. And I said, man, I'm, I said, I'm losing my mind. I was like, I know I'm only a year out of college, but I was like, I'm I, like, I just need to do something. And so he goes, move in, move, move to Nashville. So I moved in there, didn't have to pay rent or anything. Ended up like selling my truck so I could kind of live for, you know, and I think that lasted me a good six months or so, but um, around that time, like Josh would kind of about my brother, Josh, and he's a musician. He would kind of be on tour and stuff. And I'd kind of be stuck there by myself. And I didn't know anybody. And I really didn't know how to play guitar. I was a drummer and a singer. I was like, man, I need someone. And I don't know what made me do this, but I texted Dave. It wasn't like we were really, really close. He always, you know, I knew he was a musician. I knew he played, you know, in the youth group and different things. And I randomly was like, man, you need to, you know, we need to start writing some songs, man. Like this place, Nashville, it's crazy, man. It's so artistic. And so anyways, I would actually, he had a job in Atlanta and I would every now and then like drive there on the weekends and write songs with him. And then I come back and I was like, we've got something. So long story short, I don't know how I did. Cause he had a really good job, a good like finance job in Atlanta. And I somehow talked him into moving to Nashville. Cause I think he too was feeling this, like, is this, you know, I need, like I'm not creative. And so he moves to Nashville and we kind of start writing songs. And I didn't know if we were going to be songwriters or what. And about six months into this day being down there, 
we ran in, I was down at this bar called 12th and Porter and Hillary would like hop up on stage with a band and sing. And then she'd come off and she'd hop up and sing a couple songs and come off. And I was like, you're really good. And, um, and she goes, she goes, I know you. She goes, I'm a fan of your brother, Josh. And you're, and, and you're like his friend on MySpace. Remember MySpace? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top eight. This is a long, this is a long story. I'm sorry. No, I love it. This is perfect. Well, this, I don't know. I don't know this story. Like yeah. it, it's not out there. Yeah. So anyway, so it, like, you know, and I'm single and I'm like, this girl's, this girl's smoking and she knows who I am. And she's like, I really a big fan of your brothers. I said, well, I said, I got this buddy, Dave. And I said, you know, we're in Nashville and, and, um, and I was like, man, we'd love to write. I mean, you know, that was kind of the goal when you're down in Nashville and you're new, it's like the best thing to really do is just to get out there and go out and meet people, you know? And so that was kind of my, my, my thing. I call it networking. That was your, you know, chasing, chasing girls and drinking and, and networking. <laughs> um, and so anyways, sure enough, she like, you know, a week later she comes, um, she comes over to the house and, first song was this idea that Dave and I had called all we'd ever need on our first record. And, and I was like, I don't know how to, where to go in the chorus. And literally we hit the chords and she just like chimed in and it, it was just like, we were off to the races. And I think the, the second or third song we wrote was love don't live here. Um, it just came together so fast. And then we, and then, you know, I kind of was like, it was funny. I was like, Hey Hill, I know you got, you know, cause she had a lot of buzz already in town and, um, and, you know, come to find out she had just gotten dropped from, from, from this little development deal she had at Sony and she was really just kind of down and it was like perfect timing where I was like, Hey, what if we start this group just crazy on the side, no pressure and we started the group and just started doing some shows at third and Lindsley and by the third or fourth show, I mean, we had like, different label people. It was just, it was a weird wild ride. Like being, being in Nashville now, I realized how crazy it was. Yeah. Well, that's, but everyone thought they're always looking for something different. And there wasn't many groups around that time, you know, there really wasn't. Well, definitely. So, especially with a, a male lead and a female lead in a band. No, yeah. I mean, there's no one else. That's it. You know, yeah. I um, still love uh, messing with Nate Deaton, um, he, San Jose, uh, you know, program director. And he had told us, he was like, man, and now, you know, we've become really good buddies, but he was like, I just don't, know how the listener is going to identify with two different lead singers. This is going to be really, it's going to be a tough road for you guys. And, uh, and I remember being like, screw that guy. Right. And I was like, you know, I'd be like, what about Fleetwood Mac? What about, you know, the, the Beatles, all these different things. And then sure enough, now we laugh about it and, sure. you know, we're, we're really close, but it was like, I, I can see how probably it was like, okay, who's, you know, who's the, who's the main, main vocal. And then, so I don't know, it just, I think that was always part of, the beauty of the group too, is we were able to, you know, show two, two different perspectives, you know, like with Nathan now and stuff. It was kind of, it was kind of ended up becoming our MO, I guess. Yeah. Y'all definitely found a lane quick and own the lane <laughs> very quick. Would you say need you now is probably the one that's like the, the where was the, where it changed? Cause I mean, love don't live here was a hit too. I mean, that, your first song out of the gate was a hit. So it was like, where yeah. did you feel like the, the, the meter just changed for you? Well, so love don't live here was, really was felt fresh and you know i think it went to like number three uh and then we put out looking for a good time it kind of it just you know it felt a little forced i remember too on the record being like gosh i wish we could have put out something with a little more meat uh and then eventually you know the third single um they put we put out run to you and that's our first number one that felt like when things really started changing and you know people were taking us 
you know, kind of more serious as songwriters and artists, you know. Um, and then, of course, Need You Now, it was like that was the the full game changer for us. But I will say Run To You was probably when I was like, okay, first number one, it was like it just felt like things were happening. We had gotten like a Grammy for for a country song that year, and it was like, okay, things are moving. And so there was some momentum, and then Need You Now, you know, just kind of, of course, took it over to a whole nother level for us. Yeah, it was the catap- tough, catapult. It, yeah, you know, and it's and it's always such a funny thing because it's like having that song so early in the game is is it's a blessing and a curse because it was like coming after that it was like okay if it doesn't live up to need you now it's like you can't you can't compare and put everything against that bar you know it's tough sure. so yeah it was fun it's fun because yeah, y'all went from like small venues to to arenas like really quick to sheds it's like holy cow here we go uh, and it's it's been fun to watch the journey i mean you came out with a solo project which by the way you should do another solo project at some point because the driver project was incredible thank um, you well i'm you know i i have i just love writing i love putting out you know uh, just just recording and so that was around the time when hillary you know we take a little break she'd had um she just had isaac or she was i can't remember if, if it was getting ready if she was pregnant with the twins or not, but I was like, man, I've, I said, you know, I, I can't not do something for six months. And I was like, I'd love to, I said, I've always loved to, you know, want to do just kind of a fun artistic, you know, project. And, and I said, with y'all's blessing, I'd love to do it. And so, you know, it just kind of ended up being a fun thing, you know, on the side. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll definitely probably do it again at some point. I just, right now there's just, we're in such a good place as a group and we, you know, feel like we got such great momentum building again. And um, I don't know, man, it's the coolest thing was being away from, from them for a while and touring on my own and doing that. And then when we first stepped back on stage, it was like, Oh yeah, that's what this feels like. Right. Full amphitheaters, all these hits and two, just the sound, you know, that, I think the three of us have together. It's just, you know, I, I do think you, you know, there was a little time I took it for granted just because it became such a, you know, it was all, there was always some grind with the machine. It was like, Oh, we got to get this song up the charts. Oh, this tour date isn't selling as much. We got to do this. Oh, what kind of, and it was just like, it started to become a little overwhelming, you know? Sure. And, and distance, distance makes the heart grow fonder. You just kind of need sure that, you know, and that's everything, man. That's everything in life. That's work. That's relationships. It's everything. You gotta, you gotta miss it to love it. You know? So true. Uh, I'm, I'm glad y'all got some great new music back. I mean, what if I never get over you? What if I never and Tater's got a good story about this, you know, being a first number one in, in quite some time. And it was kind of an emotional moment for all you guys getting on stage, accepting that. Yeah, it, uh, it really, it really was a special thing because, you know, we just moved labels. Um, and so Jimmy Harnon, who's, you know, the head of promo over there, big machine, he, he pretty much, you know, I credit him for pushing run to you. He was at Capitol, you know, we were Capitol and he pushed, run to you up the chart. I remember it almost died like two or three times. And I was like, this guy, cause we become really good buddies and we'd be out on the golf course and he would never be off his phone. And I was like, that's annoying as hell, but <laughs> I want you. Like, I always remember that. I was like, that's the guy I said, I want someone that's working with me to like never stop, you know? And I just always remember that. And then he moved and started this, you know, new label and partnered with big machine. And, and I just remember going, man, we really literally lost like one of our biggest champions, you know? And so when it kind of came time and our deal was up, I was like, 
Jimmy and I were playing golf and I, and I was like, uh, ma'am, I think we're going to start looking around. And he was like, just, he goes, I want you. He goes, I want you guys so bad. And so it just, I don't know, it was the best decision we've ever made. I mean, it like, you know, we've had, it had, it's been a long time since we had two number ones in a row, you know, with, what if I never get every in champagne night? So it's, you know, it's nice to feel like, like we've got people that really are, you know, on our side and pushing. And of course, you know, the relationship with radio is just always, it's always felt like such a close relationship because like you say, we see each other out on the road every year, all these different events and you do become like, it's, you know, we're, we're only as, we only can survive with you guys. And it's like vice versa. It's like, we have this great relationship of, you know, y'all, y'all want some good music. We're trying to push this music. And I don't know. It's, it's just, I think being in it 15 years, you really realize how much of a family it is, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's extended family, man. We, yeah, we yeah. see every year we look forward to it. It's, you know, it's, fun. it's fun. Oh, I want to ask you about champagne night real quick. Okay. So yeah. champagne night was part of the TV show Songland, and I'm sitting there. Y'all had actually had multiple songs to pick from. Did y'all have like arguments on like, who's going to pick what? Like, was it champagne night unanimous? We knew, yeah. We kind of knew the field. I mean, the other songs were great. They were great. I, they had great bones to them. We just, you know, we, we had, we knew we were coming off of what if I never get over you. And we were like, at that time before quarantine, we were about to plan the tour in the summer. And we were like, we need another like downtown bartender yeah. type of sound, you know, song. And, um, you know, to follow up what if I never get over you. And so it was like, you know, and it was a TV show. So we were like, even if it's not a radio single, it'll be a fun, you know, fun thing to have in the show. And so, that was kind of why we really pushed for that one. And it felt fresh. It just had a good, fresh sound to it. And so, uh, you know, in hindsight, it was like perfect timing though. Cause I think when everybody was stuck inside, you know, it was like, they don't really want music. That's going to remind them how depressed they are. So like champagne night, just, just a feel good song. And I think sometimes songs find you at the right time, you know, it's, it's a banger. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. We love playing it on the station. You know, I, I like, um, we so we do this behind the strings. We really want to get in like a behind the scenes look and and, and country music and all that. And so, uh, I know a lot of people got to work with this guy, and I wish I would have been able to meet him before he tragically passed away. But I I knew that you guys worked with Busby. Yeah. Uh, so can you give us a little bit of background on how that happened? Man, he's he's just he was one of those world class kind of guys, really spiritual, but, but was really tough too, though. You know, when, when you're writing a song with him, I mean, he was incredibly opinionated. I had to write recently with Carly Pierce who, you know, he really was Carly Pierce and Mary Morris is like big champions, you know, and, and he, you know, did those first uh, records, that first record of Marin and, and, and we you know we laugh now. It's like, you know, it's like everybody, when someone passes, like, oh, he was great, 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 perfect, never. And Busby, it was like we all laughed. We're like, he was the most lovely human being. But when he, like, pushed, and he, because he he demanded, like, the best out of you, especially if you were in the vocal booth, you know, singing it. And it would drive me nuts. And so he did the uh, Heartbreak record, you know, for us. And um, and I just remember being in there and doing vocal takes. I was like, I was like dude, like, I mean, I was like, this is how I'm singing. And then he would want me to do different things. But but he was a really just encouraging spiritual guy. Everything was – he'd always give you a big old bear hug every time you come over and write. But we first met him, I guess it was the second record, we wrote Our Kind of Love together. And uh, and just, you know, ever since then, we just kept writing and writing. And, um, and then eventually, you know, we're doing this record, and we were like, man – 
we're missing something. We're missing something kind of funky and different. And he played You Look Good for Us. Which Ryan Hurd had, had co-written. And Ryan was singing it. And I was like, this is a smash. I said, first off, why in the hell is Ryan Hurd not putting this out? Mm-hmm. And, and so we go in there and do it. And I had this idea. I was like, you know what would be really cool is to turn this into a duet. And so it kind of, we made it our own and the horns. And I don't know, it just felt fresh. I think we were, we were always trying to look for something that, you know, songs that kind of come out of nowhere and kind of catch you off guard, you know. Um, so that was, you know, I think You Look Good was a really important song for us at that time too, you know. But he was a special dude, man. I mean, he think of the songs he's written. He wrote Holy, wrote My Church. You know, he wrote uh, Carly's uh, first, uh, what was it, Every Little, Every Little Thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Every Little Thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that stuff. So, so special. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, so Drake White was wanting to find his sound, and and Drake's kind of like the you know no wearing shoes, singing at the top of his lungs, you know climbing up the rafters, singing from there. Yeah. And apparently he wanted Busby to produce him, and he wanted to work with Busby, but Busby was like, no. He was like, uh, uh, yeah, he was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't think so, man. I don't think so. And I, I don't know what happened, what transpired, but I guess Drake White just pestered him enough where. He did work with him. He did an EP, and it, it sounds so amazing. And now he's working with uh, his buddy Jaron Johnson of the Cadillac 3. He's producing them now. But uh, cool. I could I could see that, you know, you would want to work with somebody that's going to push you to your limit to where you know you're going to be able to put out the best quality music that you can. I mean, he's he was he was something, man. I mean, again, it's like those, those kind of guys, I mean, they'll drive you nuts, but they just want the best, and they want the best out of you and for you. So it's – He'll be missed, man. I, I, I think one of the most moving things was how many people showed up at the, uh, you know, the I guess they would call it the remembrance or whatever. And it was in Nashville, and it was everybody in town in the industry. It like made me cry, like just thinking. I was just like, holy moly! I said, if I if I ever leave this earth and this many people come out and just you know to show love and support, I was like, it was it was pretty moving. So uh, let's talk about the the new record. I mean, you you said yeah. you're, uh, you're you're trying to finish it up, and you're you're working on the end of it. Uh, like a lady is out now at a, a big ad day uh, this week, yeah. which is awesome. Congrats, number man. one ads, man. I yeah, love on, it on Lady yeah. A. So yeah. um, it's been it's been fun, man. We've been. I mean, I wrote an absolute ton this past year. I mean, it it was what kept me kind of sane and busy. You know, wrote a lot over Zoom, and then slowly but surely with people who get a little bit more comfortable, and we would kind of socially distance in a room, you know. Um, The first Zoom write was really tough because there's always a smidge of a delay. So if I'm playing guitar or something and someone's trying to sing along the melody, it's always like out of – so you would have to get really creative. And, you know, if like somebody was doing a track, it was like, okay – put it down, send it to me, play it off my phone. And so, I mean, so it was, you really had to get really creative with it. Um, but once you kind of figured it out, it's pretty, pretty efficient, honestly. But um, so of course I wrote just a ton and a lot with Dave and Hillary, but a lot just by myself when they didn't want to write or they were busy. And so, um, you know, we've cut nine songs already. And, and of course, like, you know, Hillary just really didn't write as much because uh, she's got three kids and she's just always moving around. And, of course, it's very much what Hillary does. She's like, oh, I just wrote this fun song with some friends the other day. See what y'all think. And I was just like, <laughs> you like it? She's like, I just would. She goes, I couldn't tell, you know, it's such a female song. I was like, Hillary. I said, it's a smash. I was like, it sounds like, like 
you know, Shania Twain meets Dolly Parton. I was like, there's something so funky and cool and 80s wall of sound about it. You know, I said, it reminds me so much of all those, you know, Mutt Lang records. And I said, that's what makes it fresh. I said, you know, she goes, is it too much that? And I said, well, that, I said, think about, I remember how like scared she was, you know, we put out downtown. I was like, is this too much? And I was like, people like to be surprised. Fans want to be surprised and they want you to be pushing it. And, you know, I think we're always going to be known for the kind of that more of that sound of like, what if I never get over you and need you now? But when it comes to the live show and just, I think, keeping even ourselves interested, we've, you've got to mix it up and throw different things out there. And I think, I think this one, especially if we're, you know, looking like we're going to be out on the road this summer. I mean, to be able to have like a lady and champagne night in that live show is going to be epic. So. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, a lot of songs we haven't seen live. Champagne Night. Yeah, you know? Know. Oh, I know that's uh, going to be so. a straight jam. Everybody's <laughs> going to be getting down. Yeah. I got one question for you, Charles. Uh, do you ever get tired of being nominated for Group of the Year? You guys uh, are just try, <laughs> straight killing it no. all the time. <laughs> no, man. I Shoot, I, it's it's special to be in there. I mean, I would love to win it again sometime. You know, I think, you know, but to literally just be invited to the party is huge. But, yeah, it's been a while since we've won it, though. That would be, I think, That'll definitely, if that ever happens again, that'll be a pretty emotional moment just because, you know, it, it just has been such an interesting journey. And I think now you're kind of, you know, we've been doing this now for 14, 15 years. It's like to, to still be kind of in this, that was always our goal. You know, we knew our manager always told us early and he was like, listen, man, music is tough because it goes through waves and, you know, and you get, you get your moment and you think it's always going to be that big forever. And he goes, you have to really have a, a little thick skin with it all. And I think it's such a, a, a testament to, you know, the relationship that I think that the three of us have, because most groups, you know, it's like they're their own worst enemy. They can't get along and they implode it. It's not that, mm-hmm. you know, it was anything else. And the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. The Eagles. Ooh, man. Um, <laughs> and it's like, think of all the great music that would have come out, you know, if they had all stayed together. But um, although they did pretty special stuff separately, you know, uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know, man. It just feels like now we're in this perfect spot where it's like, we're just enjoying it. We're appreciating every little moment. And if, you know, we ever get another big award or something like that, it's going to mean so much more because I'm not going to lie. At one point it was so weird. It became such this like thing where for about three years there, we were just in such this hot spot where it was like, Oh, Cool another award that's cool awesome and i'm like i'm like god you like you became jaded really early and i got so used to it and now i'm like man i would love one of those again it'd be so cool i I feel that will probably happen again i feel good about that i feel really good about it (laughs) oh hey man thanks for the time thanks for hanging out with us on our our little podcast here and i can't wait to see back on the road man some of my most fun memories are with you man hanging out doing uh stuff at shows hanging and uh listening to music and backstage just it's just you guys are so much fun man it's always fun backstage yeah i'm excited man we're we're putting together you know kind of who we're going to have out there with us this this summer and um you know it's going to happen it's just you know is it going to be july august when you know but it's going to happen i think when it comes back I mean, it's just going to be, you know, like everybody says, like hopefully it's like the roaring twenties, and I, I'm hoping, man. I just, I just miss it. I yeah. miss it. I'll so be, much. I'll be in the pit crying. <laughs> like, <laughs> happy, cry, happy, tears. happy tears, <laughs> happy tears, happy tears, man. It. Charles, thanks that for the fun, time. Guys. 
Oh yeah, I mean I appreciate I it. Yeah, man, thanks for doing it. And enjoy the enjoy the rest of the time there in Florida, and uh, hope to see you on the road here soon. When you come right. to KC, right, man, we're gonna drink some whiskey. You and me, we're gonna drink some I'm whiskey. Good, when you dude, come to I, KC. I need it. I listen. I've I've built up my uh, tolerance pretty good this year, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> see you, man. Bye. See you. <laughs>